Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I do have a few uh, quick things for you as we're getting ready to dive into the the lesson today. Uh, First of all, I want to let you know that, you know, the things that we shared out of the Song of Solomon... Again, we believe that, that they touched our heart and the Holy Spirit brought some things. Is every time we read or send under the word, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us and, uh, and you know, direct us on what we're to do and, and to reveal things in our lives so we can get our lives in line with the word of God. And so uh, what we've done also is provide for you an insert, you got one as you came in, with some resources. It'll have some websites, some books, some things on some different topics where you can continue to dig a little bit more into some things that perhaps have been brought up during this time. And so I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that, get some of that material, study it. All our staff has gone through some of those things. They've, recommend, they've been recommended by our staff. And so those are great resources for you and your family. You need to have tools in your toolbox, amen? And so you need to be able to go to those things. And so we want to do the best we can here, but you need to do some work on the outside of our time together to continue to grow, amen, and be prepared. And then I also want to let you know that we are wrapping up the book study, um, gone through the whole book uh, by the end of today. But um, next week, as my wife and I have been praying through the course of this series, that we really felt God stirred in our hearts something for next week. In fact, God uh, has placed something in my wife's heart, so she's going to be bringing the word next week, next Sunday. So she has a word from the Lord, amen. So we're excited about that, amen. So I learned when she came to me and said that God said something, I'm like, okay, let's do it. How do we do this? And so it is along this line. We're going to finish up the book by book study or the chapter by chapter study. But just got to put something on there, kind of bring it all together. So I'm going to encourage you again, make sure that you're out here next week to sit under the word. You need to be here every time. But again, we just feel God's put something in our heart to kind of tie this all together. And you don't want to miss it. So come on out. All right. Open up your Bibles and turn to Song of Solomon chapter eight for me. Song of Solomon chapter eight. I don't have time to review Uh, But I want to encourage you at any point in time, you can go back online and look at the archives, the messages, previous messages. Uh, You can get a CD. I think they're a dollar. We're going to package them all together for you if that's more convenient for you. Uh, Podcasts, I don't know, MP3s. I I don't know all the things that are out there, but there's several, and you can avail yourself to that. In fact, it's interesting. I go back and look at the people that have watched a particular message on the live stream. And so we had uh, two of them hit over 700 views on March the 1st. We did the Song of of Solomon (laughs) part about the honeymoon night. It was indeed detail. So um, not surprisingly, that had over around 700 hits right there, people viewing that. And then on the very first one we did in the series, I think had even more. So obviously this is a subject that's, that people need to hear, want to hear. And it's because the world has been uh, so dominant and its voice and the church has been so silent. And so we want to take the truth of God's word on this particular topic, which is attraction and dating and sex or intimacy, uh, conflict, and then um, growing closer together longer in life. And then today we're talking about a lasting love forever. Um, so I just want to encourage you to dig in again to those truths and principles in God's word, but then you need to apply them. And that's our prayer that you apply them to your life because that's when transformation truly comes. And so our ground rule in getting started this morning, our ground rules are, are, are this, that This is with the understanding that the word is the standard by which we're to line our life up with. Now, we're all at different places in that, and nobody has it all together. And so let's also understand that as the Holy Spirit brings things up, it's not to condemn. If you feel condemnation, that's the devil. The Holy Spirit comes to convict, and the power in conviction is it always points you to a way out where you can have a way. Condemnation says that's the way you are. You're always going to be this way. There's no hope. That's the devil. The Holy Spirit will say, let's just be honest. Here's where we are, but let's find our way out for freedom in this. And so that's our hope. And understand that Jesus makes all things new. So let's let him take care of our past 
whatever that is, up to today, and let's work on our tomorrow. Amen? By applying the word of God. Clean slate, fresh start. So I want you to hear it through that filter. That is our ground rule. We're going to talk about a word today called commitment. It really is kind of not, not necessarily the same word that it was 50 years ago. And actually, I think it's one that we avoid or don't like, or it's even maybe become a bad word and because we work so hard on non-commitment. We work so hard on finding ways out, contingency plans. I have an exit strategy, and it's infiltrated every area of our life from marriages, relationships, kids, jobs, churches, whatever that looks like. But yet, commitment's such a powerful word, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so we're going to talk about commitment. And if we don't understand commitment, we'll never really fully understand love And if you can't understand commitment, you can't have the best of relationships or marriages or relationship with your kids. And so uh, we need to look at this word commitment and understand uh, some principles by which we can live by. And again, remember the ground rules, whatever the past is, let the past be the past. And so let's move forward from this point. I want to start this morning at at chapter eight. That is the last chapter of the book. I'm going to start in verse five. So let's go ahead and get into it right now. Verse five says this, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Now this is the chorus of friends. Now, when we started the series, we talked about Solomon will speak some, his beloved or his wife will speak some, and then there's a chorus of friends. Now she does address another group of people, maids of Jerusalem or daughters of Jerusalem, but the other group that will speak from time to time is chorus of friends. Now we're going to, we're going to figure out who they are here in a little bit, but the chorus of friends are watching Solomon and his wife come up the road and listen to what they're saying. Who is that? It's not like they couldn't recognize it, but they see something different about them. They knew it was Solomon. They knew it was the beloved, but they see something different about them. They're different than when this all first started. Like we don't even recognize them. They've changed so much. The relationship has changed. It's grown. It's different than other people. They've discovered a secret somewhere. They're walking out something and it, and you can see that it has transformed them. They've been changed. And that's my dream, my heart for all of us and for this church. That the way that we learn to love each other uh, through loving God, that other people will look at our marriage and say, you're changed. Something's different. The way we relate to our kids, our friendships, our relationships, and, and it will make a difference and, and lead them to, to ask, why are you that way? What's going on? So that we can say, let me tell you about my God who is love. And so there's something different about their life and it's recognizable by everyone. Let's go on to the next one. Under the apple tree, apple tree, and there's a lot of allegory in here, a lot of symbolism. So apple tree speaks to passion. And so under the apple tree, I roused you or aroused you. And so we were excited there. And there your mother, now this is interesting. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Now let me just first say, she wasn't there when the passion was going on. Because that's just, just settle that right now. That's weird or whatever. But, but what is being said right here is very powerful. Because what she is saying right here is she is recognizing that he was born for her. She's recognizing and acknowledging to God that you, God, birthed him for me. Now understand, that, that, that's what she's admiring here. She's talking about this, that in other words, your mother conceived you for me, I was conceived for you. She's realizing the intentionality of God putting them together. She's recognizing that, that God created you for me, I'm created for you. And the closer I get to you, because this is years, now last week we talked about years had passed, we talked about a deeper love, this is even many more years later, They're all, later on in life. And she's saying, I, the more we're on the planet together, the closer I I get to you, the more I realize God created you for me. And she was so grateful that God put them together. And she's acknowledging it right here. So here's her response to the gratefulness to God for putting them together. He says this, 
And the next verse, she says this, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. We've all seen the movies when the, the king is sending out some uh, thing to someone else and he writes it on this parchment and they roll it up and then they drip wax on it and he gets his signet ring and presses it on there and that's the king's seal. And everybody knows the ownership of that or the completion of the transaction is backed by the king. The king is the owner. It belongs to the king. Or it might be clay that they press the signet ring in. But she's basically saying that I belong to you. And later on in life, the more and more I know that God gave you to me, he gave me to you, and we belong together. She's again acknowledging this later on in life, that she belongs to him. She's saying, I want to be yours. The more I realize God put us together, the more I want to be yours. So place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. And now before we finish this out, I want to show you four things as we continue on in the scripture this morning. Four things that will help create a lasting love that we need to do and walk out and apply to our life, wherever we are, starting right here today, that will help us create a lasting love in our relationships. And so let's look what the rest of this verse. It says, for love is as strong as death. And by the way, just so you know, if you had traditional marriage vows when you got married, you may have said these words, till death do us part. That's where it comes from. It comes from right there, Song of Solomon. And they're saying basically that the only thing that can separate us is death. Love, love is as strong as death. That's where we get till death do us part. So the only thing that can separate us is death. And she's talking about the permanency of the relationship or the commitment that they have. So if you want to make love last for a lifetime, number one, lasting love is possessive. I belong to you. I'm a seal on your heart, a seal on your arm. And the only thing that will ever separate us is death. Lasting love is possessive. I don't mean that as a possession, as a thing like tyrannical or dictatorial, which sadly we see that today. But she's saying, I belong to you and you belong to me because God put us together. I'm committed to this relationship, she says, till death do us part. You know, many times I have the opportunity to sit down with families and with marriages as well as the staff does. And when people are going through difficulties, we we do the best we can to pray with them and encourage them in the word. Uh, I I want you to know uh, this morning that many times my observation has been that when you're talking to married couples, and, and I've talked to other people in different relationships, families, kids, parents, all that kind of stuff. But it seems to me that sometimes I see more of um, an effort made, if I could say it that way, of families trying to patch things up than couples, married couples trying to patch things up. And it seems like there's something, we have this idea that families, you've heard the phrase blood is thicker than water, right? You've heard the phrase that I know my kids are of my genes, they have my DNA, they have my genes in them. You can look at our kids and say, tell exactly who they came from, and Jessamy and I. And, but they're from me. And my wife, we married in together. But here's the fallacy of the world that blood is thicker than water and I just married you. And what she's saying here is we're connected. We have this permanency because God made us together, put us together that supersedes any other mindset on the planet or the world's culture. And it seems like sometimes people make a greater effort for friends or family than they will their spouse. But what she's saying is we are just like blood. In fact, back in the day when, when they would get married and in this couple, they would sacrifice an animal and blood would be shed, but they would walk arm in arm around the sacrifice animal because that's what they did in covenant. They were brought together. Covenant was brought together by blood. Or in the Jewish tradition, they would cut the palm of the bride and the groom, put their hands together like this and wrap cords around it so their blood would, in a sense, symbolically mingle. We're of the same blood now. And so what she's saying is that's the mindset here. That's the permanency. That's not how people view it, but that's how we're viewing it because remember, God made you for me. 
You were born for me. I was born for you. There's something deeper here. And when it talks about a lasting love, it talks about lasting love is possessive. We are each other's. In fact, we should understand that concept because of Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Who do you belong to? Jesus, why? The shed blood, right? And he always keeps his end of the covenant, does he not? Till death do you part. When you're on this planet, you'll be with him. And so it's the same idea here. It's It's a possession. I belong to him. He loves me, cares for me. It's the same idea. So she's expressing this here. And so, uh, again, I want you to understand the ground rules. Okay, let's go on to verse seven. Let's see what that says. Verse seven. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Many storms of life, many tragedies, many conflicts, many tests, many trials, every storm cannot wash away the love. Here's what she's saying. There's no circumstance that can quench my love for you because it's undying. Because it's based on something deeper. Go back. I know God put you in my life and God put me in your life. We're here forever. Verse, let me finish that. Verse, uh, same verse, the rest of it. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. It would be this. If you offered me all the money, if you offered me a million dollars, I wouldn't take it. I love her so much. I mean, in fact, I'd be offended. Who, who are you to offer me money? I love her more than that. There is no wealth, nothing on the planet that could replace that love that I have. And basically, we could say it this way. If someone tried to pay me, there's no amount of money. There's no amount of fame. There's no job. No another woman. No another man. No nothing, no matter what the lure is, that can separate us. Because we're together. Now understand in that, what they're saying there in that context is this, that number two, lasting love is persevering. Lasting love is persevering. Now, every married couple knows this. And married couples, let's help out the singles in here this morning. If you're married, you know it's not all roses and butterflies and breakfast in bed. You know that it's not. You know you've had to fight the good fight. You know you've had to fight through difficulty. You've had to fight for the relationship and for the value And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Okay, some of you said that a little strongly. I don't know, but I just, I heard some voices rise above some of the others, but it's difficult to stick it out, but they decided to stick it out. You realize that you hear this all the time, people falling out of love. I fell out of love. Love's a choice. You don't fall in or out of love. Is it like a ditch? Oh, I fell in the ditch. I fell in love. I'm climbing back out of it. It doesn't work that way. And I understand the comment because it's based on emotion. Now understand, emotions follow choices. Choices are not to follow emotions because our emotions can deceive us, amen? They're based on outside circumstance or stimuli. And so we need to make sure that our choices are such based on commitment and then our feelings or emotions will follow that. So we make, uh, we persevere, we choose to work it out. We choose to follow through. We choose to work on this. And so listen, it's a choice. We need to redefine the relationship from convenience to covenant. We're blood, blood works it out. I mean, I have a brother and he's a brother for the rest of my life and I'm his brother. We don't always agree and we disagree on a lot of things, but in the end, we're still brothers, work it out. So it's not convenient. It's a covenant. We're, we're, we're blood. Look at that way. So persevere. Uh, and and you know, we always hear this and grass is always greener on the other side. Hey, the grass is greener where you water it, feed it and care for it. I mean, period, right? You want green grass, water it, feed it and care for it. You don't want green grass. Don't water your lawn this summer. Look what happens. Right? And you look at your neighbor's yard and it's greener than yours. And it's because they cared for it. 
And so it's a choice, so persevere. Let's look at verse 8, Song of Solomon, verse 8. Remember the ground rules. Okay, here we go. And now listen to this, and I want you to hear and give me a chance to explain it. So we have a little sister. Now here's the, here's the, the group of friends again. And I'm going to explain this in just a moment. The group of friends. We have a little sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. And she's talking about now, the group of friends are going back to the beginning of this book in chapter 1. And so what they're talking about is when she was little. And, and most scholars would say preteen, 10, 11, 12. So she's a little girl. So, so from that context, think about this. The course of friends are revealed here. And now we know that she speaks here about, or the friends speak here about when she was a little girl. Basically, if you study this out, the course of friends are her brothers. So think back to chapter one. If you were here and you can go look at, think back to chapter one. Here's her brother speaking that we remember when she was just a little girl, not yet grown, 10, 11, 12. Now, remember the story back in chapter one that she didn't think she was lovely or attractive because she was working in the fields. And the reason she was working in the fields is because her brothers were making her work in the fields. And she says, uh, my, my, son's, my, my, my skin has been weathered by the sun and, and, and I'm rough and I don't even have time to take care of myself. And so she's really griping and complaining, angry at her brothers back then. But now listen to what her brothers are saying. We remember when she was a little girl. And then they asked this question, what shall we do for our sister on the day she has spoken for? And can I say this, dads? Highlight that scripture. If you still have young girls, you want to think about this for a minute. You want to talk to your daughters. Highlight this scripture. This verse, have a conversation with your daughters one day. They ask the question, what shall we do for our sister on the day she has spoken for? They're asking on what condition will she be ready to get married? I and mean, we just had a lot of, a lot of dads were up here holding little girls this morning. You need to write, highlight this down. And one time when they're old enough, you'll ask this question, on what condition will she be ready to get married? And really answer that. I mean, just quietly answer that to yourself. Maybe write it down. Is it a certain age? Is it when she gets a degree or a diploma, you can't get married until you finish college? Whatever that is, and those, whatever that is, those, those aren't bad things. But what is the condition? How will we know... How will we know when she's ready to get married? They're saying, how do we know this? Well, let's look at the answers in the next verse. In verse nine. Now listen to this. If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. Now let me explain what that means. If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. Basically they're saying, if she has protected herself... There's a wall around her. She's just not accessible to anybody. She just doesn't go with anybody, but she keeps herself safe. She doesn't get engaged in all the worldly things that the world would say to get involved in, or you're not a real woman, or you're not this, or you're not that, or you're a prude, or whatever you are. But if she saved herself, then we will shower her, her dowry. That's what it speaks of, towers of silver. We will celebrate that, and we will just celebrate the fact that now she is ready because she has saved herself. Now look what she said, what it says after that. If she is a door and it means exactly what you're thinking, open, close, next, open for the next person, open for the next person, open for the next person. And I don't, I don't mean that harshly, but the reality is what he's saying. If that's how she's living, then what we need to do is protect her. Come on. We need to build then a wall around her uh, with panels of cedar. And let me say this. That's extremely important. Dad's. That's part of your responsibility. And she's talking about older brothers here. She's saying that my older brothers, I was really angry with them because it made me go work in the fields. But what her brothers did was keep her her around them that they could keep an eye on her and keep her safe. And not just let her out, do what all the other, her other friends, while her other friends were out running around town doing whatever, she was out there with her brothers. Why? Because they were building a wall around her, keeping her safe, protecting her. 
How are we going to know? Because she saved herself. If she's not ready, then what do we need to do? Then we need to get her and build a wall around her. And they celebrate the fact that they determined when she was ready. And if you're not ready, basically the brothers, if, in other words, if you're not ready, we'll keep you from making a mistake. Understand the ground rules. And that's number three. Lasting love is protective. Lasting love is protective. You know what? We work really hard around here for you. We, we, we pray for you. We, we, we prepare for you. We plan. We sacrifice. We take risks. We fight for you. We fight for you so you'll have a deeper love of God. You'll fall deeper and deeper in love with God. And you'll let him transform your life. And we want you to buy into a culture that's different than the world's culture. And that's God's. And so, you know, God has principles and, and truths in his word that we speak in love. He has commands, things that he's asking that we speak in love. And they're not for his good. They're for your good. And you may not like them. But if they're from God, God is good. And God is love. And they're not for him, they're for you. And we share those things. We fight for you because we care for you, because we love you. So we'll stand up here and do six weeks of a series that may not be common in most churches and, you know, in today's world to share with you things that will help you. And you may not like some of the things that you hear, but we're fighting for you because we care, we love. We're here to help protect you as much as we can. Here's what I would say this way. We, we're, we're here to help pick up the pieces when we make mistakes, but we'd also like to be here to help prevent you or keep you, prevent you from making some mistakes and protect you by sharing the love. And you may not like it, how we share it. It might be in your finances, maybe in your relationships, serving, your giftings, callings, but that's what we're here. We fight for you because we care. Jessamy and I fight for our kids, for our girls. They are our most prized, valued possession that we have, the greatest thing of value we have. We need them to trust. I need my girls at 14 and 15 to trust that their mom and dad know more than they do because we've been on the planet longer. And they don't always like what we're saying and asking of them, but we don't care because we're protecting them. And we relinquish that too much with our kids in the world we live in today. But lasting love is protecting, protection, protective. There are things that I need to do. We need to protect you. There's things that I need to do to protect my marriage. There's things I need to do to protect my wife. Guys, there's a lot of things we need to do to protect our marriage. Ladies, there's a lot of things we need to do to protect our marriage. Why? Because lasting love is protective love. She may not like it sometimes. I may not like it sometimes. My kids may not like it sometimes. You may not like it sometimes, but we're going to fight for you because we love you. In fact, my daughters at the end of spring break went to stay with some friends. And before that, that happened, my wife got on the phone with the other mom and said, here's our rules. And the mom said, hey, I appreciate. Thank you. We have the same rules. And great. Awkward conversation. Who wants to bring that up? Hey, but I'm protecting my daughters. My wife's protecting our daughters. Lasting love is protecting love. And that's what her brothers were doing. Even though she didn't like it, she was complaining. Go back and read chapter one. She was griping about, I can't even take care of my own self. I'm doing all the other stuff for them. And they were protecting her. And then it goes, on the, uh, it goes on to say this. Let's go on to verse 10. Now she's saying, now I'm a wall and my breasts are like towers. And what she's saying is this, that they're far removed. They're unreachable, unaccessible by just anybody. She's like, because my brothers have protected and created a wall, helped me create a wall around me. I've created a wall around me. I wasn't accessible to just anybody. That was my protection. And that's what she's saying. She goes, I was removed from all that. I was protected because of all that. I was out of reach. She's saying, I made sure, they made sure that I was not accessible. Let's finish out the scripture. Thus, and because of that, now listen to this, because of that, I have become in his eyes or in Solomon's eyes like one bringing contentment. 
She's saying, because I listened to my brothers, those who are there to protect me, because I wasn't like a door, because I was not like the veiled woman, because I didn't treat my body like it was cheap, because of that, I have become in Solomon's eyes like one who brings contentment. That word contentment right there, the Hebrew word for it is shalom. What does shalom mean? Peace. She's saying, because I did this, because my brothers protected me, because they created a wall protection round about me, I wasn't accessible to everybody. I didn't live my life like a door. I didn't live this way. What I've brought to my marriage, what I've brought to my relationship, what I have brought to my family now, many, 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 many years down the road is peace. And is that not what we all want and desire? Remember the ground rules. You know what that means to me? Start building a wall today. I didn't have anybody in my life, pastor, to protect me. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a family. I had dysfunctional family. I had a broken families. I had this. I, I, I had all that. And I don't know. And, I, and no condemnation again. But understand this. Start building a wall today. I didn't know any better. And I, I lived my life like a door. And I felt that that was that way. Peer pressure. I made mistakes. I understand. Jesus takes all that away and gives you a clean start. Build a wall today. Start building walls today. Let the past be the past. Start fresh, start new, amen? Clean slate. Build a wall today. Build a wall today. Remember, Jesus makes all things new from this day forward. Wall it in. Wall it in. The result, number four, lasting love is peaceful. Lasting love is peaceful. And you can have this. There is hope that you can have this. This whole whole series is so you can have this. A lasting love That brings peace to your marriage, your family, your relationships. Let's look at verse 11, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. Of course, we're in chapter 8, verse 11. Solomon had a vineyard. Now, listen to this. This is fascinating. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Hamon. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Hmm. Okay. Remember her brothers had a vineyard that they made her work in? Whose vineyard were her brothers working in? Solomon's. So understand this, Solomon had a vineyard, the tenants were her brother, and when they made her go to work with them so they could keep an eye on her to build a wall around her, what do you think happened? Solomon walked out to check on his field one day, and all of a sudden when he's checking on his field, he's looking all over working, looking around, saying, hey, wow, check her out. And he sees her, because her brothers are keeping her with her, protecting and building a wall, and she's building a wall. She's submitting to that authority. She's being obedient to her brothers. and Everybody else is doing all these other kind of things, but she's out there, and all along she was working in Solomon's vineyard, and the workers were her brother, and then each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. They were to pay to Solomon. Verse 12. But my own vineyard, now vineyard, we said in week one, she's talking about her own body. Remember in week one, she says, I'm out working in this vineyard. I can't even take care of my vineyard. I can't take care of my own body. I have to be unattractive. Not to go back to revisit chapter one or the first message, but she's saying now my body, my own body is mine to give. Now there's a wall and here she's talking about my own body's mine to give and the thousand shekels are for you, Solomon. I give you everything. I give you myself. I give you my body. I give you, Solomon, my life. And 200 are for those who tend its fruit. What she's saying is, then Solomon, all I have is yours. And she's saying, brothers, thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for getting on me when I didn't want to hear about it. Thank you for keeping me running around with everybody and when everybody else was out doing stuff, you wouldn't let me. Thank you for not, for not letting me run with that boy. 
that just wanted to get where he wanted to get. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for building. I know I was ugly to you. I know I was mean to you, but you know what? She still submitted. You know what she's saying? Thank God for the people in our lives that are there to protect us. Young people, thank God for your parents. Parents, you better be protectors. Thank God for the people God puts in our lives to protect us. Come on. And again, you may not have grown up in that, but thank God for a church. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for small group leaders. Thank God for other couples that you can do life and ministry with and that you can engage with them and they'll look out for you and you'll look out for them. And here's the thing, that's all well and good, but then you need to be able to trust them. I need my girls to trust me at 15 and 14 and however long they're under my care that the decisions I make, whether they agree with them or not, they can trust me. I've been on the planet longer and I'm here to protect them. And they may not agree with it, but one day, one day when they walk down the aisle, my heart, my hope. They'll look at my wife and I and I'll say, thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me from making a mistake. Thank you. Now they have their own free will and young people, you have your own free will. And I know parents that have put these things in motion and put these things in place and kids have still made different choices. But if you ask them now, I wish I would have listened. You know, we jokingly talk to our kids and stuff when we're putting rules down and stuff like that. And we, out of our mouth, we'll say one day, one day you'll appreciate that. One day when you have kids of your own, you're going to be calling me, right? Right? So young people, you need to trust them now who God has put in your life. It may be a pastor, a youth pastor, a parent, a grandparent. It may be friends. It may be, it may be the parents of your best friend. It may be somebody, but God will place somebody in your life. So she's saying, Solomon, I'm all yours. Brothers, thank you. I didn't understand it or appreciate it at the time, but thank you. What a powerful principle that is. Trust your parents. Trust your pastors. You know, um, what, and I just say this because people ask me all the time. I share some about my family, but not all. You know what? When a boy comes around, first thing I want to hear is about their relationship with God. That's the first thing I want to hear. Okay, let's talk, son. First thing I want to hear is about the relationship with God. Second thing, after reading this and studying this out, second thing I want to hear is who tells them no? Who tells you no? Who's your protector? I want to know. Because I think it's that important. Because my girls are precious and priceless. So let's keep going. Look here. uh, Chapter 8, verse 12. But my own vineyard is mine to give a thousand shekels for you, Solomon, and two hundred for those who tend its fruit. Um thinking her brothers. And the book ends this way. And here's Solomon speaking. And the book ends this way. And we're going to end it obviously here in 13 and 14. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon speaking. You who dwell in the garden with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. You know what he's saying? He's like, hey, when you're out at work, let me hear what you're thinking about. Let me hear what you're talking about. You know who he's referring to? I can't wait to get home to my wife. I can't, I think about her all day long. When I'm at work, I wonder what she's doing. When I'm doing something else, I can't wait to see her. You know what he's saying? He's like, hey, are you thinking about yours all day? I'm thinking about mine. I'm here with you guys. But man, I'm thinking about her. You know what, guys, you need to do? Pull out your phone one day when you're at work and text your wife. She's thinking about you. Love you. And when she gets up off the floor because she just passed out from getting that text from you, <laughs> guess what? She, the house is going to be smelling good, looking good. Your favorite meal is going to be enough. You know, if she's going to be ready, she's, she's going to be excited. And guys, when your wife is there and she's like texting you, hey, baby, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you coming home. I'm like, you're punching out at 4.59 and 59 seconds. You're not even waiting until 5 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? What he's saying is like, I think about you. And listen, hey, and this is when they're really old. No offense, but that's what they're talking about here. 
hey, life ain't over. Hey, we got this lasting love. This is forever. Now, it doesn't change because we get old. Just look and do it differently or whatever. Not that, not do that differently. I don't know. It doesn't say that. Stop. It's got 50 shades of red right there. Again. All right. Man. You know what I'm talking about though, I hope, because I'm moving on. So I hope you got that, okay? I'm moving on. All right, next one. I hope you got that one. Okay. Come on. So here's her response. Heard you've been talking about me. Come on, baby. Come on home. Come away with me, my beloved. Like a gazelle. Don't be lazy. Don't be slow afoot. (laughs) Don't be like a donkey coming home. Like a gazelle. Come fast. Sprint. Get here quickly. Come on. Or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. And we already discussed the mountains. I won't explain what those are again. And they're what you think. Come home. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I'm excited. And this is when they're old in life. What they're saying is we're committed to lasting love, to working through all the issues that we'll have, and we all will have issues, but we're in this forever. Again, remember the ground rules and know that from today forward, we can make different and better choices. And let's let Jesus take care of the past and let the past be the past. And if you're feeling condemnation this morning, then you just rebuke the devil and say, I'm not listening to you, devil, because Jesus makes all things new and he has a way out. Start today. Wall it in today. Trust somebody that God has put in your life today to help you. But here's our, our hope, our prayer for the whole course of the series is that you will find contentment or peace in the one God has given you. It is possible despite what the world says, but it has to be done God's way or it won't work. And honestly, the only way it can be done God's way is through his life, love, and power. It is impossible without the person of Jesus Christ. It is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit because with God, all things are possible. Amen. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And let me close with this one thought because you might think that, you might think like I just, I just showed you a brochure of Hawaii that looks beautiful and amazing, but there's no way you'll ever get there. And, and let me say this, that we all can get to this place and it will take work and it will be a fight, but it'll be worth it. But let me leave you with this thought. Being loved gives the capacity to love. And every single one of us has the ability and opportunity to be loved by the God who is love. And the more we will press in and experience his love, the greater capacity we will have to love. So sky's the limit. What are you willing to do with God? Amen. What are you willing to do with God? Let's all stand. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.